Okay, so Smoke and Snow, Season 2, Episode 9. When last we left our heroes, they were exploring a seemingly, at first it seemed, unoccupied solar tomb in this great chasm on the Beast's Moor, an island where, following the nights of colourless fire, a great chaos stone had exploded and collapsed the centre of the island into a huge ravine. Whilst they were exploring this solar tomb, they made their way down to a level where it was curiously lit and seemingly occupied. As they moved in, a gateway clanged shut behind them as part of some sort of arcane trap, and they found themselves besieged on all sides by zombies, which unfortunately spelt the end for the wife of Brock, Alan, who unfortunately died. We then had both Weimar and Brock very close to death themselves. They were saved by one of the bog in basement healing potions, which was unfortunately the only one Fabrio had on him, and by the antics of Quentin, sort of keeping ahead of these zombies and sniping them off with his bow. We've got Rob, who plays Malcolm, back with us. So, as is the way with this one, I'm going to come with any convoluted way of putting his character in. We're just going to drop him back in. So, when we start off, guys, just to paint the scene, we have the the very injured Weimar and Brock, who up until fairly recently were extremely close to death. And they are sort of lent up against this magically sealed gateway that you originally came through, this metal portcullis. Through the slats in the portcullis, you can see the stone staircase beyond to the east, which leads back up to the uppermost level of this seemingly abandoned church. The various magically lit braziers illuminate the long hallway ahead of you to the west, held up by stone pillars. Like I say, Weimar and Brock are basically sort of lying down near this gateway, covered in the, the mocks of their previous combat, scratches, bruises, armor dents, etc., drying blood. Fabrio is next to them, having been stationed there by Quentin to keep a lookout in case anything else appeared. That's also where we're going to start Malcolm. Quentin himself is in a chamber to the south, which has a large statue of an ancient queen or lady in it. It's lit, again, magically by a number of braziers, and is where they fought this skeletal guard wearing these gauntlets of ogre strength. And Quentin has been investigating the, the fonts in there that have sort of a stale, tepid water in them. And that is where we're going to pick up. So, over to you guys. What do you want to do? Um, want to have a closer look at this gate while we're catching our breath and recovering ourselves. Um, so, we, we've determined already that it's magical. That's correct. So has, has anyone actually touched it in any way? No, they haven't. To, okay. to, to a visual expect, inspection, if you're not using the lenses, it looks like a normal metal portcullis, so metal bars, like metal sort of crossbars on it, 
that have sort of slammed down. There are gaps through it, so as I said, you can see through to the stairway beyond. But when you looked through the magical lenses, the sort of green lens that you possess, you could see the sort of telltale traceries of an enchantment lingering about it. And you know that it was seemingly triggered by the the stone skull that now silent that screamed from the nearest pillar when you first entered the dungeon. Okay. Um, and with my spear, I'm going to firstly try and poke through the bars to see if there's any sort of magical barrier almost. Yep, not a problem. You lift your spear up. It's a bit of a struggle given the, the state that you're in, obviously, but you, you lift the spear up and you, you poke it through one of the gaps in the portcullis and it seems to pass through fine without any great difficulty there's no like invisible barrier or anything of that nature and then just tapping against the bars themselves just to see if there's any sort of reaction when i yep, touch you, the bars you tap it against the bars and you hear the ringing sound of metal upon metal but you other than that you don't see any signs there's no like explosions or sparks or anything like that okay so we could we could try and lever it up and lift it in some way now we've decided to get out of here well <clears throat> I say as I struggle to get up and uh, to where Brock is uh, let, let me give this a try so I'll with my uh, <clears throat> mighty gauntlets uh, John I'd Indeed. like to give it a, a little you know uh, lift not as in like I'm going to rip this straight up uh, but just to see if it even moves okay not a problem so that's going to be an open stuck door roll which normally you would have a 2 in 6 chance of doing mm -hmm. I'm just going to check your uh, your gauntlets to see what bonus they give you boom 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 boom, boom. Well, while I'm sort of sizing it up, I'm going to uh, ask Malcolm if he'll give me a hand to grab one of these brazier things from the other room to sort of put underneath it if he does manage to lift it up to sort of, you know, brace the weight yeah. if, if we think it'll support that. Okay. Or at least get something in there. To yeah, help. or something else more so, suitable if that's not up to the job. On. Your Gauntlets of Ogre Power will give you a plus three bonus to that, so effectively it's a, a five in six chance for you. Yeah. So, so watch me roll a six on this. No, that's a three. Okay, so it's still very heavy because, well, not so much heavy, but it's enchanted. Mm -hmm. However, due to the enchantment of the Gauntlets of Ogre Power that you're wearing, you sort of grab hold of the bottom of it, and it's a great deal of strain, obviously being as injured as you are but mm -hmm. steadily like you know your legs sort of like shaking and like your arm muscles shaking slowly you hear like a grinding like creaking sound as you start to force the mechanism up a bit but like literally it's like moving very slowly and it's extremely painful as you're like lifting it up and you can feel perhaps the enchantment perhaps the weight of the gate so trying to force it back down and you're sort of the enchantment of your gauntlets and your own strength is sort of straining against that 
anyone who is watching that you will see that like beads of sweat have broken out on Weimar's face like I say his, his arms and his legs are like trembling as he's exerting every ounce of force he can to like steadily lift this gate and after a few minutes he's probably got it three four inches off off the ground like open bloody hell three four inches yeah. um and uh if i assist does that seem to make any real difference you can make a an open stuck doors roll yourself Um, I don't think that's good enough, is it? Where is it now? Oh, no, I've got four and six. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so between the two of you, again, it's quite difficult because you are both very, very injured. But with the assistance, you do slowly start sort of raising it up a bit more. You've now got it to about a foot. Obviously, that's taken a couple of rounds so i'm gonna make a couple of quick rolls see if any anything random has occurred nope you're good so yeah you've got it about a foot off the ground now how far do we have to get it to put one of these items underneath it what sort of height are they like the font order these braziers they're about sort of like two three foot tall they're already fairly small. They're not massive. Do we think that's going to hold it when we put it under there? Difficult to tell. Um, they are made of metal, obviously, but it's not like massively thick metal because they're only small. And you can both feel Brock and Weimar, the, the sort of strain that you feel this gate, it's like constantly trying to like push itself back down presumably as part of the enchantment or perhaps just the weight of the the metal so try a font the thicker yeah what about a font like quentin said the the fonts are a little bit taller they're about five foot tall and they're made of stone oh. so um are these chests in the room with the sarcophagus sarcophagi they're all empty but are they are they wooden or stone they're wooden, they're wooden okay so they won't hold the weight um, okay, put some more X on there so I can remember they're empty. There we go. Okay. Um, I don't know how big them statues are in the other room either. Whether they could be put on their side or something. Or... That they are wow. effectively human-sized. The the statues in there. Oh, so they're probably too heavy. Yeah. Uh, um, let me look up the rooms up north, and I'll have a look in this first one here and see if we can. <clears throat> Okay, no problems. Let me just uh, unveil that for you. I might listen at the door first. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. You listen at the doorway, and you don't hear any sort of anything untoward coming from inside. Beware the killer bear rugs. Oh yeah, don't step on any rugs. Avoid okay. all rugs. <laughs> Okay, so as you peer into this room after having had a listen, 
you can see that it appears to be a small stone chamber there is a large stone icon at the end of it and a sarcophagus that has the carved stone likeness of a solar knight lying in repose atop it okay um so not seeing anything that's about a foot high i'd like to move on to the next one okay no problem okay move on to the next one you peer into that and the chamber is very similar to the one that you have just looked into okay so again not seeing what i'm looking for i'll drop across to the next one okay again very similar okay are these things on the right urns or yeah they appear to be like clay pots effectively oh okay right so next one Sora, basically yeah 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 i'll just unveil the other two because they're both they're both fairly similar and i assume you okay. can check them both out it would appear that the the five chambers to the north are all effectively burial chambers for solar knights. They're all sort of set out in the same style. Each has uh, an, a sort of icon in it, which I know being a connoisseur of like the old gods yourself, you will, as you sort of look at the carvings on the icons, you realize that they seem to be icons to the Shining One, one of the old okay. gods, often depicted as a human wearing a sort of feathered like headdress or a, a sort of i suppose like a serpentine like creature but with like a feathered frill around its neck okay um and have we been out this door before and up these stairs Sorry, this is the way we came down yeah okay and was there anything that might be suitable upstairs do we remember? Um, it was more of a cave sort of complex yeah. upstairs. Okay. Yeah, lots of mushrooms. Okay. I mean, you might be able to yeah. crawl under the gate, but I don't think there's anything really up there that would help that I can remember. Because um, if me and Quentin crawled through and then Brock crawled through, we could hopefully hold it up long enough while well, we need to track land through. through as well yeah um, John, I mean, you know these zombies I'm going to go around just beheading them all yeah that's absolutely fine it, it takes you a little while just because of the amount of them but yeah, yeah, you you walk around with your weapon. Obviously, you have to like do a little bit of soaring, and it's fairly unpleasant. But because they're partly decayed anyway, yeah, it, it takes a lot less time than it would have done otherwise. You walk around, you you behead all of these zombies. That's absolutely. Have fun. they got any kind of uniform or? Um, they they just need to be wearing rags, effectively. Okay. Like I just wondered if they were like knights that weren't as good as these knights but still worthy of a burial okay so um, you've got to about sorry I'm, I've moved one off for some reason 
you've got to about here, Quentin, and you're sort of beheading all these zombies, when you hear what appears to be a, a scurrying sound coming up the the stone staircase. And then as you're sort of listening, you hear a, a fairly sort of soft voice, a hu- seemingly a human-sounding voice, say, oh, st- steady on, my pets, steady on. Uh, we, we, we must go and see what has, what has happened to the master's workforce. He'll be, he'll be terribly cross if we don't find out what's happened. And then in response, you hear this slight sort of like rodent-like squeaking and this scurrying of multiple sort of small feet pattering up the stone stairs. And as you watch, you see what appears to be a, a sort of fairly large rodent sort of sticks its head up the staircase. And you can see a number of similarly sized sort of creatures like slithering and scampering up the the stairs behind it. You can still hear this this voice, sort of this quiet sort of slightly sort of a soft cadenced voice coming up the stairs from somewhere behind them i will start moving up this corridor okay that's fine um towards malcolm start right and just indicate to weimar brock and fabio that they should really start going through that small gap they've created Okay, yeah, so so what do you say to them as you sort of... Uh, I'm saying, basically, there's more things coming to kill us. We should really leave through whatever gap we've got. I'll haul them off while you guys squeeze through. Fabio, <laughs> uh, get through that gap. In in the sort of, like, death grip that I have on the, on the thing, just like, no, I think you, you better go, because I, <laughs> I, I'm holding on to this. Yeah, you sort of look across and you can see that both like Brock and Weimar are both sort of like straining, even like Brock who's like a mountain of a man, and Weimar is no slouch himself and now he's got these gauntlets of like ogre power. They're both like sweats just pouring off them. It's starting to like soak into their clothes. You can see their arms are like sort of juddering with the strain of just like holding it open like these few feet. I'm and- just going to put shove Fabio through the hole. Okay, so you, you sort of like, Fabio's like, a, oh, well, which of us should, no! And you like, <laughs> you like sling him under this hole and he like, he, he basically slides and comes to a stop against the bottom of the stairs. And then I'm going to go through. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm going to try and take some strain whilst one of these two slowly pivots around. Okay, um, so, so as Fabio goes through, I'm going to ask Weimar or Brock, can you please make me a roll? Uh, just one of you. Roll me a, a D12, anything but a 1, it's fine. You managed to keep it open as Fabrio like, slides through. Do you want to do it, Brock, or shall I? Uh, we... I don't mind. Uh, you've got the uh, the gauntlets at the moment. Yeah, I, I suppose, yeah, I've got the uh, um, the big strength going on. Uh, 12, you said? Yeah, D12, anything but a 1, you're fine. That's a 7. So. Okay, yeah, so you managed to hold it up as Fabrio goes through. And if I can ask you to roll again, can you hold it up as Quentin goes through? A 12 again? Yeah, no problem. So that Quentin... Uh, sorry, through. I was just asking about the die. Oh, yeah, it's the 12, uh, yeah. Yeah, four. 
Yeah, that's fine. Quite anything like scurries under it while the two of you are holding it open. As I said, I'm going to try and take some strain so one of them can pivot round. Okay. Make me a an open stuck doors roll. D6, isn't it? Yeah. Four. Okay. One in six, so. Okay, so, yeah, unfortunately, like, you're not really, like, supporting it that much. I'm not that strong, so that makes sense. Yeah. Um, can I try and jam the sword of respect under the portcullis and try and prop it open? You can indeed. You jam the sword of respect under it. Obviously, Weimar and uh, Brock are still holding on to it at the moment. You can see that. Malcolm has jammed the sort of respect in there. It's like an angle, basically, at one of the sides. It it might hold it open. You're not really sure until you like let go of it. But it's up to you yep. guys. So, Malcolm, you're you're next, clearly. Okay. Uh, so I will go through next, and I'll draw my bow. Okay. So, why not? Can you roll me another d12? That's an eight. Yeah, it's fine. The two of you managed to hold it open as Malcolm shimmies under it. Okay, Brock. Oh, you go. I think the gondolas Gondol will take care of it. Uh, and as you're saying that, Brock, you glance over your shoulder and you see this tide of giant rodents surging around the corner. I'm going to take um, shots at them, John. That's fine. Are are these rodents too big to get through the bars, would I say? No, they're they're, they're not that massive, to be honest. All right. Okay. Um, Well, yeah, while they're taking shots, I'll try and scramble under so I can try and sort of take a position holding it the other side. Okay, so we're effectively going to go on to initiative now, unsurprisingly. So, if one of you guys wants to roll for your side, I'm on a mighty two. For the enemies. So, if one of you wants to roll for the players. Uh, uh, what was it? Six? D6, yeah. Three. Okay, yeah, so you guys are going first. Obviously, it's up to you in which order you guys want to go. Well, I'll... I sort of slowly let go of the the weight that I'm sort of supporting and see how Weimar does before I sort of duck under. Okay, roll me a d6, Weimar, and tell me what you get. That's a six. Okay, so Brock, you let go of the the portcullis, and as you do, Weimar alone can't manage to hold it up even with the gauntlets of ogre power and the portcullis clangs down and that door to the north of us what sort of door is that it's just a wooden door doesn't even appear to have a lock on it i mean sure malcolm just walked up and was like all right um i mean they've already spotted us anyway haven't they Yeah, I guess because they probably, well, they've spotted us for sure, but they also probably came up here. They're going to scourge the area anyway. 
could hide behind the door, but. But these guys are taking pot shots anyway, so let them finish. Yep, so anyone who wants to take a pot shot, feel free. Yeah, I got 20. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. Roll your damage. Three. Okay, yep, so you fire off a shot. There is a loud squeak from one of these giant rats. And like I said, they're about like three foot long as your bolt just like skewers it and like pins it to the floor it screeches loudly and then lies still okay so i've hit one for three points of damage as well okay there is a second followed by a loud screech and another of the rats dies okay anyone for anything else um <clears throat> So I can't hold it, so it's down now. The yes, game. that's correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, with that, uh, I'll I'll pull out the bow. I'll, I'll put an arrow onto the rats. Okay. Uh, let's see, it's it's been a while. So yeah, that's arrows. Cool. So that's a. Uh, D6 if it connects. Okay. Uh, yeah, that'll be a 20. Yeah, um, that's definitely a hit. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 20 for 3. Okay, yep. So another arrow finds its mark, killing one of the rats. Anyone else? I'll get my spear out, but I'm not going to throw it yet because I think it's out of range. So. Okay, no problem. So if that's everyone gone, we'll move on to the rats. They'll come slithering and scurrying around the corner okay a verminous tide of shifting brown furred semi-rotten bodies moving towards brock and weimar and let me just check one more thing okay Okay, so Weimar and Brock, from where you are, like the other guys can't really see it. You think, just sort of like dimly at the far end of the corridor, that you're looking down past this verminous tide of rats. You see a, a slightly malformed human-looking figure wearing what might be ragged robes. He appears to be sort of shuffling along and although it's difficult to make out over the frenzied screeching and scuttling of these giant rats you think you can just about make out some sort of like soft voiced words you can't really tell what he's saying but you can hear that soft voice sort of cadence as though he's sort of like talking to the rats and you can see in one of his hands he appears to be holding 
some sort of glass sphere, maybe. But it's difficult to see because he's in the, the shadows at the far end of the corridor past all these rats that are sort of swarming over each other and ducking and weaving in their, their urge to get at you. Okay, that's me done. So let's go back to initiative then. D6 again, obviously. I'm on a, I'm on a mighty five. Mm. So it's the rats first. So that one there. That one there. That one there. That one there. moving them all at once for convenience and then this figure sort of following up behind trying to stay in the shadow of these pillars okay so we've effectively got two giant rats attacking Weimar and two giant rats attacking Brock so they are on they're on a mighty plus zero for their attacks unsurprisingly they're rats after all so I'll just shout out what they've got, and if you, if they hit, let me know. Okay, so the first one on Weimar, a ten, obviously it doesn't hit. Mm -mm. Second one on Weimar, nineteen. Yeah, that does. So that's one on Weimar. So first one on Brock, thirteen, presuming doesn't hit. Second one, fifteen. I'm assuming doesn't hit you, Brock. No. No. Okay, so we've got one on Weimar, and the damage is fairly pitiful, I believe. So, let's see, yeah, so, so are my hit points. You take two hit points of damage. Yeah, and I am down. Okay, so one of the rats flings itself at Weimar's neck and bites deeply in with its two sort of a large front teeth these creatures have a 1 in 20 chance of passing on a disease which does not happen okay so Brock you see Weimar get sort of taken down to the ground as one of these rats leaps at his throat and sort of sinks its incisors into his neck and obviously in his already injured state he sort of falls over, like, trying to, like, pull it off his throat, pretty much. Obviously, you guys can survive until you get to your level in negative. So I'll just put one more on his side so we know that he's down. And that's it for the rats, so it's over to you guys. Can I now see this figure? You can see it, like I say, you can't, you can't really make out any details because all these rats are getting in the way and they're like scampering. So I just everywhere. want to shoot it. Oh, yeah, you can you can definitely shoot at him. Now, why Mars down? I can shoot over him, so. Oh, yeah, easy, yeah. I raise a, a shaky thumb. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a nine, though. So. You can do it. What? <laughs> okay, so you fire your your arrow, your bolt at this figure. At the, the last second, it like ducks behind one of these pillars and your bolt clatters into this stone pillar. Yeah, I would also like to shoot at that person. That is absolutely fine. Go for it. 
there. So that's a 15 plus. Sorry, how do I? If you've got a 15, yes. hit him. <laughs> okay. So I roll your damage. How do I clear the dice tray? Okay. If you. On left corner. Yeah, There's a little X. Ah, okay. Yeah, just click on that and it'll clear it. Uh, so that is two points of damage on that person. Okay, no problem. You hear a, you hear a soft cry as this person gets like, skimmed by one of your arrows. Okay. Anyone else? Um. Yeah. Um. I can't attempt any sort of dual wielding, can I? No, not really. No. Okay, I'll just drop the spear and attack attack one of these with my sword then. Okay, go for it. Ah, it's got my best chance of hitting. Oh, says he. Uh, nah, that's an eight. Okay, yep, so unfortunately you're unable... You probably do some minor damage to the, the giant rats, but you're unable to land a serious blow on them. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Okay, we're back to initiative again, so... D6 initiative. I'm on five again. What? I... Four? Okay, so it's the rats first. So the two, obviously, attacking Weimar. They don't have to roll to hit because he's incapacitated, so I'm just going to roll, like, 2d3. So you take an additional two hit points of damage as these two rats are basically chomping down on you. The two attacking Brock. First one gets a 17. Oof, no, it needs an 18. The second one gets a 20. Yeah, that'll do it. Okay. You take three hit points of damage as a rat chomps onto your leg. He's on minus one. Okay. Why? He was on two hit points for some reason. So you guys see the a couple of these rats also bear Brock down to the floor and they're sort of swarming over Weimar and Brock. Uh, continue to shoot the figure. Okay. Go for it. <clears throat> That's only a six, so that's a miss. Yeah, again, this figure's like hiding behind these stone pillars. Your bolt clatters off the pillar. Malcolm? Uh, Ten. That's not enough, I'm afraid. Okay. Okay, so... Back to initiative, then. I'm on it. Four. It's a fall for me as well, so we're technically simultaneously, but you guys can go first. Uh, continue to shoot that figure. Okay. Or at that figure. Uh, 22. Yeah, that'll do it. Roll your damage. Just one. Okay. So again, you hear a cry as one of as he sort of sticks his head out, and your bolt like skims the side of his head. You see like a bit of his ragged hood get torn off, and then he ducks back behind the pillar. Malcolm. Uh, so that's a hit for one more point of damage. Okay. So just as he's ducking behind again, one of your arrows also skims the side of his face. 
Okay. Can I call out to call off your rats? Yeah, you, is, is that literally what you're calling out? Call off your rats? Yes. Yeah. Okay, you hear a, a softer voice that carries uh, carries over the, the the chirping and the skittering and the screeching of these giant rats and the voice very softly says oh they are not my rats they are the master's rats um call off the master's rats none will survive if you don't oh I I hardly think you're in a position to be making demands, whoever you are. Perhaps not, but I am in a position to kill all your rats and you have multiple of my arrows sticking in you. However, there, there is something that I'm more interested in than the, the no doubt delicious deaths of your companions. And then as he says that, you notice that where rocks are lying on the floor like the the rats that are sort of swarming around him they basically start between them sort of grabbing hold of like Brock's spear that he like threw down on the ground and they're starting to like slowly like drag it away down the corridor and you Quentin as you look you notice that the rats that were sort of like biting into Weimar appear to have like stopped biting into him and they appear to be like biting at the the sort of leather belt that's holding his scabbard. I was going to say, <clears throat> I wait for the next round and shoot the man. Do any of them touch the sword? Because they're they're going to get fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're they're dragging the scabbard. They're not touching the sword. Yeah. Well, to be honest, probably what they're actually doing is once they've gnawed through the belt, they're probably like pulling it by the belt. Yeah. Just because yeah. that's what they've got their teeth into. Yeah. Smart rats. <laughs> <laughs> wow, smart person controlling him. But uh, if I reach yeah. through the gate, can I reach Weimar's pistol? I've got two <laughs> on the sort of yes, yeah, yeah bandolier. Type easy thing. as we as we established, he was literally like holding up the gate, and then when it clanged down, he turned with his back to the gate, so he's pretty much lying against the gate. Yeah, oh, so yeah, grab his pistols then. Yeah, yeah, no problem. You reach out and grab his pistols. You have to check with a. With a Johannes for the stats with regards to those. He can do the shooting. I'm just going to aim. <laughs> <laughs> He's just going to take my my hand. And... <laughs> okay, so obviously yeah. it's still your guys go. All this is happening like simultaneously, but it's still your guys. Um, can I try and grab the sun sword off the rats? I would say you can. However, it's basically going to come down to like a dexterity test. If you fail when you try and grab it, they'll get a bonus to their attack because they, they okay. will attack you as you're trying to grab it. Cool. And that's I have to roll under my decks. Yep, under your decks. Okay. Here goes. Uh, so that's a success. Okay, so you grab hold of the sunset. What's your alignment? Uh, neutral. Oh, dear. Okay. Just don't hold it aloft. 
you grab... I mean the Sun Sword have history. We know how this is going. You, you grab hold of the Sun Sword and you take two hit points of damage as it grows burning hot in your hand. However, you were expecting it because you've seen this happen before. So I'm going to say roll me a d6, anything but a one, and you manage to sort of like grit your teeth and keep hold of it despite the pain because you were expecting that to happen. Uh, six. Yep, so it's very painful, but you literally like had to grab the handle because of like where the rats were grabbing it, so you're like... But you pull it back through the through the gate. Okay, and then I'll drop it back behind me so that they can't get it. Absolutely fine, yeah. You literally like, pull it out, gritting your teeth against the pain, and then just drop it down behind you. That's absolutely fine. Okay. Right. Any more for any more? I can't move to my next round, so when next round, I'm just going to shoot that bloke with one of Weimar's guns. Okay, no problem. So we're going on to the rats now, who are all going to swarm around, unsurprisingly. These three that have got Brock's spear are going to start pulling it down here. And we've got a number attacking Weimar, because he's not got his sword now. Do you have anything else magical on you, Weimar? Yeah. Aside, aside from the gloves? Yeah. <clears throat> Though I think some of this stuff may have been lost in the transition to our new sheaths here. But I've got the uh, the, uh, the healing wand, uh, for one. Okay. Um don't remember what the breath of truth is it's the it's the water iron garlic combo that they sprinkle on people when they go in right yeah but at least the wand is okay magical so for this turn instead of attacking weimar these rats they start trying to gnaw through the um Backpack. Well, no, the sort of like the leather bands that are holding these like gauntlets of ogre power onto his. Ah, right. Yeah, because they can get to those. Yeah, yeah, your hands are easy to get to, basically. Yeah. Okay, so on to the next round. So D6 is for initiative. I'm on a five. I'm on six. I get plus one initiative. Okay. Yeah, well. So it's you guys first. Yeah, so I'm just going to shoot this bloke. With one of Weimar's pistols. Okay, go for it. Yep, so whatever you've got for ranged, just do that, and then 1d8 damage. Uh, 22. <laughs> that, that'll do it. And <laughs> seven points of damage. And then, unless he's undead himself, he, he might have yeah, some test for more. And in fact, so will the rats. Okay, so you crack off this this gunpowder shot from Weimar's pistol there is the recoil as you fire it the deafening crack and the foul smell and smoke of gunpowder drifts into the corridor you hear a loud cry of pain from the guys he's sort of like as he's like leaning out from behind these pillars and you literally catch him square in the chest he like almost he like falls backwards you see there's like a Basically, your shot's gone like through his chest and like the shoulder. You can see like blood soaking into his the tatters of his robe around the wound. I'm gonna make a quick morale check for him. Uh, 
Okay, he's okay. And the rats. And the rats are okay. However, he's, he's not exactly looking too clever. Okay, so on to the rats. Um, I Oh, sorry, go ahead. I'll try and grab the gauntlets as well, if that's okay. Okay, no problems. Make another dex check. Uh, yeah, that is a success as well. Okay, so yeah, you, as the rats again, the gauntlets off, you sort of grab them off them and wrench them through the gap. And also, if I can, kick what's left of the sword of respect in their general direction. Okay, yeah, no problem. You kick the sword of respect through the gap, and you see three of these rats sort of grab the sword of respect and start sort of like scurrying back down the corridor with it. The ones with Brock's spear carry on moving. You also see the three here grab the healing wand out of Wymore's backpack that they've chewed through, and they start scurrying off back down the corridor with it. Okay. Meanwhile, these ones here, they are going to go through the gaps of the portcullis and come at you two. So we've got one on, again, I'll just shout out what they've rolled. So we've got one on Malcolm. That's an eight. So that's a mess. One on Quentin. That's a tall, or nearly a 20. That's a 14. That's a hit, yeah. Okay, so d3 damage so that's three hit points of damage as this rat slithers through the gap and bites into you yeah then i've got one remaining so one to three it's malcolm okay so it's malcolm and that's a mighty one so that doesn't get you however there are now like three of these rats have like slithered through basically okay initiative guys i'm in a mighty I've... one okay you guys first uh, shoot that bloke again. Okay, go for it. Uh, 16. That'll do it. And six points of damage. Okay, you hear a... As he sort of ducks his head out again, you hear a cry. And this time he falls to the ground, obviously dead, with one of your arrows sticking out of him. As he does, it's sort of like his hand falls down and you see this like crystal or glass orb that he was holding sort of rolls out of his hand and it comes to a stop against the wall to the south of him. Sorry, that was with Weimar's other pistol. Oh, fair enough. In which case, re replace the word bolt with gunpowder shot. Yeah, I'd like to think he's got a nice big hole in him there. Yeah, but to be honest, there's not actually a lot of him left. In fact, probably what I'm going to say is, as he sort of ducks back in, like say cradling this like crystal ball, let's call it, your shot actually like takes his arm off, and rather than the crystal ball rolling, it's like his arm that like flies off and like flops against the the wall, still holding on to this like crystal sphere. Um, okay, so I would like to start uh, stabbing rats. Happy, yeah. <laughs> uh, what's that? 12, 
13. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. Okay. For uh, five points of damage on yep. the nearest rat. No problem. You hack one of these giant rats to pieces. Okay. So onto the the rats. So we'll do one against Malcolm. Which is a 10, which will be a miss. One against Quentin, which is a 2, which is also a miss. The ones here. I don't want to move Lan as well. The ones here continue moving. And the ones here continue moving. Okay. That's me done. Initiative again. I'm on three. Five. You guys first. Shoot the leading rat nearest that's about to go around the corner with a spear, I think. Okay, yep. I'm assuming this is ten. with your um, crossbow, so you'd have to reload. Just a crossbow, yeah. Spear. That's just a ten. Okay. I don't think that's enough, but let me just check. No, it's not, unfortunately. So your bolt goes wide. Any more for any more? Um, I would like, if possible, to stab the rat attacking Quinton and put myself between the remaining rat, on the assumption that I kill it, uh, but put myself between the, the remaining rat and Quinton so he's... Okay. Go for Theory it. safe. Make your attack roll. Uh, so that's 13 plus 6. So yeah, yeah that'll do it. And uh, 8 plus 1 is 7 points of damage on that rat. Okay, yeah. So you hack one of the rats to bits and then you sort of maneuver yourself so you're between Quentin and the other rat. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else? I don't think so. so uh, I'd like to say I just told Fabrio to run. Yeah, he's he's already on his way up the stairs. Okay, so we're going to the these rats, the ones with the spear, sort of disappear around the corner. These ones are going to go around the corner as well. Okay, initiative again. I'm on a four. Six. Okay, you guys going first. Uh, well, Malcolm's in combat, so Malcolm goes first. Okay, so I will try and stab the last rat. Uh, that's 13 again, so that's another hit. Yep. Uh, ooh. Okay. I think that's a one, is it? Yeah, so two points of damage. Okay, it's still just about going. And I'm going to roll an attack for it now because I forgot to roll one last round. That's fine, yeah. It's only a three, so it missed anyway. Okay, so Quentin. Uh, I will take a stab, but given that I'm shit with melee. Okay. And that is a 11. That's not enough, unfortunately. So onto the rats for this turn. So again, it's going to attack Malcolm because he's put himself in the way. It's only an 8, so it misses. Back onto initiative again. I'm on a mighty two. These rats here are sort of disappearing. Downstairs. We're on seven with my plus one. 
so let me put this uh, rat out of its misery. So that's 12 plus, so that's fine. And that's two more points of damage. Okay, you skewer it and kill it. Okay. So with, with the other rats having gone down the stairs, we're effectively out of combat. I'm just going to shut the door to shut out some background noise, but have a think about what you want to do next, guys. Like I said, we're not in combat rounds anymore, and then we'll crack on. All right, Malcolm, we need to get that gate open, pull those two through, and grab that arm with the orb in it. Okay, well, I can put on these gauntlets and lift yep. the gate, and we can drag them through, and then... If that goes well, you can nip under and get the... Yeah. Okay. So what's the plan, guys? So just to be sure, we've still got the sun sword and the green sword. And the gauntlets, yes. And the gauntlets. Yeah, yeah. the only thing that's gone is the spear. I didn't know we had a wand of healing. <laughs> oh, yeah, and the wand of healing's gone. Yeah, yeah it's, that, it's, that been, is... it's been Bob all used to you guys, because like, none of you have got like the spellcastery ability to use it, so... It's been at the bottom of my backpack for like a year. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those things where you sort of had it and you were like, oh, none of us can use it. And it just got stuck in the bag, you know, because oh, well, we might find someone who can use it one of these days. Um, so, yeah, so Mal can put the gloves on, lift yeah. the gate. We'll drag Weimar through, then Brock through and try and get hold of that sphere. Okay, so I'll put the gauntlets on. Yep, you try and lift the gate. You strap these gauntlets on, you feel strength flow into you. So you get a plus three to your open stuck doors. So it's a five in six chance of you being able to like lift it up a little bit. Yeah, so that's three and six. Okay. So you start slowly lifting this gate up. Okay. I'm and gonna then... wait until it's just cleared Weimar and then drag him through. Okay, that's absolutely fine. So, Malcolm, you need to roll me a d12. Anything but a 1, you're fine. Uh, 10. Okay, yep. So, as you're sort of straining, and it is a strain even with the even with the magical enhancements of these gauntlets, Quentin drags Weimar through. Now, the same again for Brock. Okay, so again, make me a d12. Mark, anything but a one. Two. Yep, so Quentin, you haul Brock through. All right, I'm going to go through and try and grab that orb. Well, the hand holding the orb. Okay, so move yourself as far as you will be able to go in a combat round. So see each round, like, Malcolm's having to roll to keep this, uh, so keep this door. So it's five open. foot square, isn't yes, it? Yes, that's correct, yeah. Okay, so make me another D12 roll, Malcolm. Uh, three. Okay, you're good. So move again, Quentin. It was there, wasn't it? It's right like there. Yeah, it's here. Yeah, so grab okay. his arm and then head back. So you're, you're literally just like dragging him. No, I'm just going to grab the arm that's got the... Oh, um, with, the, with the crystal ball in, yeah. The okay. crystal ball in it. No problems, you grab that. So Malcolm, make me another roll. And in fact, make me one more roll, Malcolm, and then make me a second roll. And if you make them both, we'll just move Quentin back because it took him like two turns to get okay. there. So the first one's a six, and then the next one is a six as well. 
Okay, yep. So you you basically slide back under the the gate, Indiana Jones style. <laughs> Quentin holding this like bloody severed arm, still with this uh, crystal ball gripped in it, so uh, slightly like rigor mortising hand, and you slide gonna, under the gate. I'm going to take a cloth, grab the ball, okay, and then look at it through these. Um, magic detecting spectacles we've got okay you look at it through the crystal lens and it has this this green swirling mist around it when you look at it through the lens okay i've never seen that before so that's going in the uh, backpack and then quick quick uh, question uh quentin when yeah. you when you're looking at the the crystal ball through the lens yeah. What, what are you? What, what is? What thoughts are uppermost in your mind? What are you thinking about when you? Generally chaos. Yeah. I was hoping, again, I was hoping for something a bit more specific. You know, like in, in, ter- in terms of like where we are, my immediate thoughts are: let's get out of here, and then I could cause a hell of a lot more chaos. But okay. Um, given the state of me, I'm probably thinking about you know this being my road, and you know all the things I've done that's led up to it. Okay. So if you, in terms of like all the things you've done that have led up to this point yeah. in your life, if, if you had to pick a person who sort of like encapsulated like something important on this road, yeah, who, who would it be? Honestly, I can't think of any because I've, I've literally dragged myself up um so the only person i'm really thankful to is myself okay no that's absolutely fine so as you're as you're sort of like looking through this lens to this crystal ball you suddenly feel a a sort of sensation in the pit of your stomach like you were sort of falling briefly and then sort of stopped and yeah. for a few moments it's like you're hovering near the roof of this corridor you're in and you're looking down at yourself like you were looking through like a camera down at yourself and you can see yourself below your vision sort of holding the crystal ball with like the lens on it but it's like you're getting like an aerial shot of it it's quite it's quite eerie and sort of it it gives you this horrible sense of sort of dislocation yeah i'll take a moment and then like i say i'll wrap it in cloth and stick it in the backpack okay understandably you take a moment then you start wrapping it up in the cloth and as you're wrapping it up in the cloth you're still sort of like looking down from the roof but you can see yourself sort of like wrapping the crystal ball up in this cloth because you're sort of like doing it by your sense of touch even though you can't see it you have the cloth ready to go and then as you're wrapping it up and you see yourself putting it in like your pack etc the vision fades and once again you're like you're seeing from your own viewpoint as you like put this wrapped bundle into your pack okay so somebody's either watching what we're doing or that is one fucked up little ball um so i'll wrap the sun sword up in some cloth yeah, and pick ish brock and weimar up okay uh because I am super strong with my... I was going to say, that's not a problem with the Gauntlets of Ogre Power. Yeah. You, know, th- you know, throw one of them over like each shoulder. 
and we will head up the stairs and okay. see what's awaiting us. No problems at all. Let me just scroll back up on my notes. Okay, so you're heading back to the uppermost level. So let me just change maps. Go. So hopefully you guys can see that. Since there's no real active combats on here as previously, we've just got a single icon here to represent the party. You head up the the stone stairs. You find yourself in this, as you previously explored, this seemingly deserted upper level of this tomb complex. In front of you is the stone archway leading into a room containing three stone sarcophagi and you can see sort of here there is basically a like a crack in the wall and the yeah, that's where we came into the ghost yeah. yeah this is the passageway you guys came through you basically found like a secret way in pretty much yeah so we'll, we'll go that way okay not a problem so again as you start as you head through the room with the sarcophaguses in you see these three stone tombs fairly plain and unadorned uh, one of them has like an icon of the the shining one on it there's a couple of statues but nothing appears to cause you undue harm and you make your way through the secret pass out into the mall so again i will change the map just trying to remember which level we're on this one uh, I'm, I'm gonna scratch a marker on the cave wall there so i know this is the way we came yeah no problem and i'm just gonna reveal the second there we go so all of this area here is basically the first level of the the tomb that you were exploring and this is the way that you you came in yeah and you once again find yourself back in this humongous sort of i suppose mushroom forest as i described it previously huge mushrooms the size of trees tower above your head to the west of you you can see what appears to be so, so here there's a yeah. another cave again natural cavern it looks like as you're sort of peering into it you can see there's a large hole which seems to just like drop down like maybe the floor of that cave collapsed which is marked by the dark area there yeah uh, I'll have a quick look down there. Oh, we did take some of the magic lamps, didn't we? From yeah, yeah. Yep. So uh, I'll have a quick peek down this hole. Absolutely fine. You peer down this hole, and it appears to fall down, presumably to like lower levels of 
this cave system that you're exploring. As you look down, you can just about make out maybe about 80 foot down, give or take. You can see like a, a ledge sort of all around it, but the hole continues down far beyond that, but you can't see how much further it goes down given the range of your light source. Okay, so uh, we came in through the cave near B6, so yep. we'll head back there. Yep, so originally I believe you guys came in through... That's right, yeah. Yeah, okay. So you start making your way back. Let me see if any random stuff occurs while this is going on. Okay. So, as you sort of start making your way back towards the cavern that you entered, you hear coming down this corridor here what sounds like a low sort of singing or perhaps chanting. And you can just about make out as you're moving down this corridor. And you're moving a bit ahead because obviously Malcolm's like carrying your, your two fallen comrades. Yeah. And, um, Obviously, uh, Fabrio sort of like lingering back a bit because he doesn't really fancy any of this. You can see, just like you can just make out like ahead of you what appears to be like someone else's light source, just like the edge of like the flickering sort of orangey yellow illumination. And you can hear this sonorous, almost like monastic sort of chanting or singing getting closer as something's obviously making, or someone is obviously making their way down this passageway. And I'll just pick a random icon to represent that let's go with a nice book there we go B, is b7 full of giant mushrooms b7 is full of giant mushrooms yeah okay i think we should hide behind some giant mushrooms malcolm yeah sounds like a plan okay not at all. probably over here Yep, so you hide behind these giant mushrooms. I'll make a quick roll to see if the, the people spot you when they come in. There's not much chance of it, given how thick this is. No, they won't have spotted you. So as these, these people make their way in, you see what appears to be a party of five people. They're all wearing hooded robes. One of them is carrying a lantern, which is shedding this soft golden light and they're all sort of low sort of singing or perhaps praying in this solemn monastic manner as they enter this gigantic fungal forest they pause for a few moments and then one of them turns to the other and says oh, which way which way is it now brother and he says are oh, the, the 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 tomb of our ma the tomb of our master uh, is a uh, just past this cave there is a there is a small secret passage known only to the devout that will take us to the tomb soon we will be in the presence of our master and our, our great work will begin he, he nods and says yeah, yes brother of course and then they they slowly start sort of making their way across this cavern like threading the way through these giant mushrooms seemingly heading towards the very passage that you sort of 
scrammed out of them. Malcolm, did you want to kill anybody or do you want to leave? Um, should we follow them and see how they open the portcullis? It's, it's doable. It's risky. Maybe we should just go with our friends. Okay, you don't want to murder anybody? Yeah. No, I can... I murdered a few rats. I'm kind of okay. Okay. As as they continue moving, you hear a brief sort of kerfuffle as one of the one of the acolytes, let's call them, catches his foot on like a, a low lying outcropping of fungi. And he falls to the floor, and you briefly see he basically disgorges like his um, his satchel that he's carrying as he falls over, and you see a couple of like glass vials with. What looks to be like clear liquid and cork stoppers roll out. The the leader, the person who spoke earlier, seems to be the leader of this group, sort of rounds on him instantly and he's like, You imbecile! Have you any idea what the master will do if you if you damage this precious cargo? We didn't brave the the wiles and the frosts of the death frost mountain just for your clumsiness to ruin it at the final step. At which point this person who's fallen over, he's oh, I'm, I'm sorry, brother, I'm sorry. And he's like scrambling to get all this sort of stuff back in his satchel and like puts it back over his shoulder and he stands back up. He's like dusting his robe down a little bit. I look at Malcolm like I really am now in a murderous mood. So um, <laughs> I'm just um, going to throw my silver dagger straight at the one with the vials. Okay. Yep. Make your so roll. The assassin's dagger. So. <clears throat> well, this is this definitely counts as a bit of backstabbery. They have no idea here. Plus four times two. Okay. Sixteen to hit. Just not enough, I'm afraid. So, as then they've got seventeen. So as this guy's sort of like, he's just holding up the last vial, like looking at it for cracks. He, you throw your dagger, which whizzes towards his head. And, Unfortunately, at the last minute, he sort of like he leans down to like peer at the vial to like check it, and your <laughs> dagger sticks in like this giant mushroom behind his head, and he's immediately like, as he sort of like hears it, like where his head was a, a few moments before. Immediately, the, the leader says, "Brothers, we are under attack to arms," and you see them start sort of pulling out basically like long sort of curved daggers and they start sort of like moving back into these like giant mushrooms obviously like taking cover and sort of looking around they don't know precisely where your dagger came from so they didn't spot you but they're like they know like it's oh you're over there somewhere so they're trying to like get behind these giant mushrooms they've got like the daggers out um can i try and shoot one as well yeah, yeah that's fine we'll, we'll keep this fairly loose rather than strict combat rounds it's, it's fine Okay, so that is 12 plus 7 is 19. I'll do it. Uh, that does 3 points of damage. Okay, so you hit the same guy who was like holding the vial up. He, he sort of falls to the ground as your arrow hits him. You see he's still alive, but the arrow is like punctured deep into his chest. And you could tell like from the sound of his breathing, like maybe you've punctured his lung. He's like... <laughs> and when he breathes out you can hear like the air sort of like hissing out through the hole and he's sort of slumped against one of these mushrooms he's like slowly sliding down the trunk of it because they're like tree sizes the 
the vial sort of falls from his useless hand as his other's trying to like pull this arrow out and it like chinks to the floor next to him. Okay. Um, and if they're not doing that and they're still trying to hide, can we shoot another one? They appear to be withdrawing. They appear to have abandoned the the one that's... Uh, you see that one of them like snatch up the satchel. The vial that's on the floor gets left and they're sort of withdrawing. You've probably got one more turn to like shoot at them before they're like too far into this forest. Okay. I've got 20 to hit. Yeah, that'll do it. Uh, and I am after getting 17. Yeah, Six points of damage. Okay. So yeah, I guess that's what we're both probably both trying to shoot the one with the satchel, right? Yeah. Uh, so one more point of damage on him. Okay, yeah, he just gets obliterated by like these two arrows. Again, the satchel falls to the ground. One of the others like snatches it up and they they disappear amidst this forest, leaving just like the single vial that was dropped lying next to one of their fallen. I think comrades. we're gonna go after this one that's got the satchel, to be honest. Okay. We can leave Weimar and Brock here, so yeah, I've got Fabio to protect them. <laughs> Fabio doesn't look quite so sure about that when you say that, but um, yeah, he's, um, yes, of course, I'll uh, I'll do my best. And you see him sort of stood there. I mean, he's not really got any weapons or anything on him, but he's I don't care. He sort of <laughs> he sort of stood over them, you know. What I mean, um, okay, so I guess we're going after them. Okay, no problem. So there's a, a couple more of them left. So they're making their way through this fungal forest. So basically what we're going to do here is we're going to roll... One of you guys roll a d6, I'll roll a d6, effectively like initiative, and it's just to see who gets the drop on the other because it's very difficult to do anything. I've got five in total. Okay, so unless I get a, a five or a six, you guys get to go. Yeah, you guys get to go. So you've got the drop on them. Uh, 19 to hit. That'll do it. Okay. I've also hit. So um, it's three points of damage. And three again on the satchel guy. Okay. So as the last two, they're just reaching this narrow crevice that leads to the tomb, the same one that you came out earlier. You see the, the, the leader's like, he's now got the satchel. And he's like, we, we, we must get this to our master. And just as he's saying that and they're starting to go into the crevice, you two basically like leap out from behind these giant fungal trees, fire off your two arrows, which thud into the two of them. They both let out strangled cries and fall to the floor, the satchel landing next to them. All right, well, grab the satchel. Okay. I'll and try and get the last guy. Go and collect. Go for it. Uh... Uh, 11th, that's a miss, I guess. Okay, so the last guy manages to like escape into the tunnel that heads into the tomb. However, he's left the satchel behind. Hey, he's, oh, ba he's basically just gonna oh, forget this and he's just like ran for his life because all of his mates have just been killed. Okay. You know, the one that punctured his lung, is he still alive or is he? Yeah, he's he's still he's still there. He's he's probably not gonna be alive for very long. He's like. He doesn't even seem to have the strength. Like he's put his hand up as though he was going to like pull the arrow out, but he's not got the strength to pull it out. He's like, I'll I'll go and grab hold of the arrow shaft. Yeah, and give it a wiggle. He's like, 
Who are you? He's like, a, he's like, oh, we are, we're, we're, we're the, the, the acolytes of Al Harrod. And what's these vials for? He, he sort of looks at you and he says, you, you, you wouldn't understand. Try me. You haven't got long left. He says, he says uh, they, they are, they are t t temporal energies rendered down into a, a liquid form. Okay, and um, what do you need the liquid temporal energies for? Master requested that we we retrieve them for for his lord. We we risked the the perils of death frost <coughs> mountain to recover them. Many were dying in a mushroom cave. Lost, <coughs> and he coughs, and a bit of blood comes out of his mouth. Malcolm, anything else you want to ask him before he fades away? Uh, what is the name of his master and his master's lord? My master is the... the, the and he, you have to like lean really close to him because his voice is like tailing off as you, you can see he's going white and he's he's starting to like pass into the realm beyond. My master is the the, the great necromancer Alharad principal servant of the king of blood I'll yank the arrow out. <laughs> yeah, you pull the arrow out just as he's sort of like fading and he's up. Okay, let's get the hell out of here. I'll give the bodies the once over, see if they carry anything else of interest in addition to the satchel. They've just got some daggers. Um, you've probably rolled me 3d20. Uh, okay. Fortitude. Uh, yeah, they've got 43 silver pieces between them, like in the satchels and various belt pouches. Aside from that, it's just the daggers and these like three vials of like clear liquid. Although when you sort of, when you sort of like swish one of the vials around, like the liquid's got like a curious sort of like gloopy or slightly thick sort of consistency to it. So it's not like water, it's slightly thicker than water, but it, it is a liquid. And like I say, it seems to be absolutely clear. Okay, so then I suggest we uh, get on our bike. Let's get the fuck out of here. Okay, so where do you guys want to head to? Uh, we're going to go to the passage there. So you're heading back up to the, the level above, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Okay, no problems. So there we are. And then we're going to head all the way back down to A1. Okay, so one, two, three, four. Okay, so I'm going to make 5d6 rolls, see if anything random happens on the way. Right, so there's been a bit of random encounterage. So you guys make it back to there, to A2. F retracing your previous steps effectively. Yeah. Let me just make a roll to see what you come across okay 
Okay, so as you're heading back through, normally with that random encounter, you would have come across one of the trolls. However, since you guys have killed them all, you're blissfully unmolested as you retrace your steps back to the very windy precipice and sort of chasm that you first entered this area through. Now we've got to try and figure out how to get Weimar and Brock across the narrow ledge. Yeah, and to be honest, with the high winds that are still whistling around here, sort of schlumping along here with like two people over your shoulders is going to be quite difficult. Because uh -huh. obviously previously you were all sort of like pressed up against the wall and sort of edged your way along. That's not really possible carrying two people. Is it possible carrying one? It's possible. It's it's still quite difficult, though. Fabrio, what's the temporal energy? It says, um, well, I, I don't know the specifics. However, generally speaking, in academic circles, temporal refers to time or the passage of time. And they, they said that it was temporal energy rendered into a, a liquid form. So if I had to make a guess... Essentially, what they're saying is that inside these vials is liquid time. Sounds nonsensical to me, but that, that would be the literal interpretation of what they're saying. What do you think the effects would be if we, you know, give them some liquid time? <sighs> it's as well, uh, given that I, I'm only making a guess as to what it is, and I don't know how it was made, it's impossible for me to tell. I mean, it, it, it could be anything. I mean, it depends what they were what they were trying to create it for, how how stable. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's, I, I tell you what, let me, um, let me borrow that, that, um, that, that green lens you were using. Okay, there you go. And he, he takes the lens and he, like, peers through it. And he's like, well, it's, it, it's definitely got an arcane fluence about it. So... It would depend on the the skill of the mage who had crafted it, or the magic user who had crafted it, what they were trying to attempt, etc. There's so many variables; it's impossible for me to tell 100%. I mean, I don't even know what I, I didn't even know that that was possible until they mentioned it. And for all I know, it, it may still be impossible. I'm just telling you that that's what temporal means. It's it's time, and they said it was. A liquid version, so liquid. Do, time. do you think if we gave them some time, it would literally give them time? Again, it, it's possible, but I, I'm, I, I'm simply guessing here. I, I don't have enough information to make a, to make a sound judgment on the matter. Malcolm, what's your thoughts? Because we, we can't. Um, how far from safety are we? Uh, quite well, we've still got to go through the pig village. Yeah. And even once you get back to the surface from here, like say you're on the surface of the mall near the pig, yeah. the pig man village. So it depends right. how you define safety. But yeah, pre pre pretty, pretty far. Not safe. Yeah. And how, how, how much time do we think we need to get Brock and Weimar back at least walking? Days, 
two days? If you were walking, it'd probably take you a day to get to where the sort of village is. If they were walking, obviously it's going to take you considerably longer if you're carrying them because that's going to affect your speed. You'd have to rest more and stuff like that. I mean, the other option is the green jewel that Fabrio's got. I mean, given the fact that guy grew an extra eye. What's your thoughts, Fabio? Well, well I, I see what you're saying. And obviously the the, the, the the gem that we found, it does have some sort of mutagenic properties to it. But I didn't. it didn't seem to heal the, the, the poor fellow. No, it's given him an extra eye. Yes, but what That's I'm saying it. is uh, it, if we were... If what I think you're suggesting is what you're suggesting, if we were to expose your fallen companions to the energies of the stone it may mutate them but i don't think it would heal them so for let, let's say it gives them some extra eyes for instance they would have extra eyes but they would still be in the sorry state they're in now if you see what i mean okay it seems to twist what exists it doesn't seem to heal or mend mm -hmm. right so we'll forgo the mutagen crystal um, what's the room at A3 like? Does that look like somewhere we could hold up? Mate, there's nowhere in there you can hold up without something coming to get you. Okay, so the, the room in A3 was just a partially collapsed, sort of empty room. It was the, the remnants of a, a worked complex. It partially collapsed, but when it was previously explored, there was like nothing particularly in that room. We could go... A12 is empty. We cleared it. Everything in there is dead, and there's only two entrances. Yeah. Most most of the the chambers in this sort of a this ancient uh, sort of temple that you guys have been through, you've pretty much cleared out. But yeah. obviously, there were bits you hadn't explored. You don't know if there was stuff wandering around that you hadn't encountered. I'm expecting things we haven't encountered. There's that laughing voice in A17 that yeah we didn't deal with. And how far is the walk? across the cliff that was a couple of hours wasn't it yeah yeah okay so it's a couple of hours of a high wind speed then we've got to get past pigman and his piggy village then we've got to sail across the lake yeah and when when quentin says it's windy um every sort of turn you're spending in not at the minute because you're still sort of you're more sort of like in the mouth of uh, the cave here. You've not stepped out into the full winds. So you've decided what to do. But you know that on your way in, there, were, there was a very great danger that the wind was just going to like whip you off in, yeah. into this seemingly bottomless chasm. Like you guys were really having to like cling on to the Yeah, and we all right together. And... Yeah, exactly. You had yeah. to take a lot of precautions to make sure that didn't happen. Right, so Malcolm, we've got two choices. We can either give these two some liquid time and pray it doesn't mutate them. Or we can go and fend off in A12 whilst they get upright and then we can get out of here. But that's going to be risky as well because they're not going to be as strong as they need to be. Um... <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's best. 
I mean, out of character, I don't really want to give these two some liquid time in case it fucks them right up, but... <laughs> Hmm. Like, oh, Walmart, I don't remember that police box being there uh, a few moments ago. <laughs> it's all gone a bit timey wimey. That's it. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a chance if you're giving them time, it could, I suppose, in theory, give them back some time. Well, I tell you what. Since we're since we're getting near to to nine anyway, how about we have a fifteen minute comfort break here? Give you guys a chance to think about what you want to do. We'll yep. come back in fifteen minutes and then we'll crack on. Okay. Cool. Okay. Back in fifteen. Oh, yeah. Right, we'll just wait for Johannes to get back and then we'll jump back in. I think Brock had mind a bit of time being poured down his throat. Depending on the results. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll tell you when it if and when he wakes up <laughs> in a different time okay so let's jump back into it guys you've been quentin and malcolm been debating what to do with this liquid time in inverted commas that they've got obviously they've realized that getting getting back across this narrow wind whipped chasm shelf carrying Brock and Weimar's not really going to be feasible so what do you want to do guys I'm, I'm just looking at the state of the two Brock and Weimar um, yeah, Weimar I gather is significantly way. worse off than Brock is that correct um, that is correct so 
Um, Resting up wise, we're looking at three days minimum. Is it worth a go of the old Toby to see if we can find out what might happen if? But you could ask your sword. You know, Whitemore asks his sword. You could ask your sword. My sword doesn't really talk to. Oh. As you try and ask the sun sword. I'll smoke some doby. You try and talk to the sword. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. I'm gonna bang on yeah, this. That, that's uh, you talk to your sword. We won't look like absolutely mad. Uh, us. Sentence. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'll take some of Wymore's uh, or Dobie and uh, have a think. Okay, not a problem. I'm just trying to remember how this works now. It's been that long since we've done it. Okay, I can't remember exactly how it works, so it's saying make me an intelligence check. Fifteen. So that's equal to or lower than your intelligence, you're good? Uh, yeah, so eleven, I've got fifteen intelligence. Okay, so cross off one of your um, your plugs of old Adobe. And what is the what is the subject you're pondering as you as you The subject I'm pondering is um <clears throat> If I were to pour some of this liquid time either onto their person or into their mouth, what do I think the likely outcome is going to be with something I've never tried before? And given the fact that I'm chaotic, so I don't really care about the effect, it's more the outcome I'm interested in. Okay, well, again, it's difficult because obviously, even with like the old Dobie issue, like considering like what you know and the facts under your command, which at the moment is relatively little when it comes to this, uh, this yeah. liquid time. So, to but speak. my hope is that I can get something to give to Malcolm and then Malcolm can take it further. Yeah, so based on what you've been told by Fabrio and your own sort of thoughts. It would seem natural that if they've gone to the the point of seemingly somehow like liquefying the essence of time, either to pour on something or to ingest for some reason, it's been done to have some effect on the passage of time. So yeah. whatever that effect would be, chances are if you poured it on Weimar or Brock or they ingested it, that effect would take place on them. Now, whether it's to speed up the passage of time, whether it's to reverse the flow of time, you don't know because you don't have the arcane background to it. But we could, for, we could, for instance, experiment on a plant. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah like, you can always experiment with it. Like the dobe, we could pour some on the dobe and see if it turns into a plant or rots. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, that's that's what I'll do then, and I'll pass that information on to Malcolm so he can. Okay, with. so cross off a second plug of your old Dobie from your equipment that you're going to use this. Yeah. And uh, let me see. Roll, roll me a D12. Five. 
Okay, so you put down this little like plug of old dobe on like a rock or something similar. Yep. Let's say you're still sheltered in the sort of entryway. You you're just like, dude, pour like a little drop of this like viscous clear fluid on it. It appears to briefly soak into the plug of tobacco, and then both it and the plug of tobacco disappear. They appear, yeah. it appears to like shimmer slightly and then just like disappear. Is that like it was like vibrating and then it disappears? It's weird. There we go, Malcolm. So now we know that if we pour it on there, something vanishes. Um, I'm assuming that's an effect of time. Um, so I will pull out the green steel yep. in one hand and the yeah, I pull out the green steel and I will, I guess, project my thought into the sword okay. um, and outline the problem that we're trying to solve <clears throat> okay. and see if the green steel gives me any indication or anything happens. Are you asking it anything or are you just sort of like... I guess I'm asking it what will happen if I allow Weimar and Brock... To ingest liquid time. Okay, so as you as you ask it that a, a sort of hazy outline appears, and you see the sort of semi-translucent figure of Brother Lomas appears, stood next to you wearing his like monkly regalia, silent as previously when the sword sort of broadcast this illusion. The the illusory Brother Lomas walks over to Weimar and Brock and sort of like looks them over. It leans down and looks at the the vials. Then it walks up towards you, like looks at you, and you see like Brother Lomas's face. And then as you watch, like the face appears to be like slowly getting like older. Like you see like a beard, almost like a time lapse. You see like a sort of beard sprout and like grow down a little bit. Like not like it doesn't like decay like Indiana Jones style, like turn to a skeleton. But, like, you see, like, obviously the passage of time on this illusory Brother Lomas has been, like, sped up. You see, like, the beard come down a little bit, you know, like, stubble comes out, etc. The hair gets a bit longer. Okay. Okay. So I'll turn back to Clinton and say, if I am interpreting this right, it will age them a number of days or a short period of time, which may allow them to kind of heal naturally so i think it's worth a shot um as you're having this discussion quentin you look down and on the rock like at your feet you briefly yep. see like something shimmering and then the like plug of uh, old doby appears or you notice that actually some like new like growth has like sprouted from it oh. and again it sort of shimmers before like solidifying Okay, so uh, let's give them some drops of liquid time. Okay. <clears throat> How much are you giving them? Uh, that that effect was a couple of minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was literally like a couple of minutes, yeah. That was a drop. Yeah, that was so, a whoop. Four drops? 
Now, you know, think there's, only, there's only like a small amount of like the liquid in each vial. It's not like full. full. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying it's full, but we should have enough for four. Why don't we start with one drop? Well, that only lasts a couple of minutes. And obviously, also, you don't know how much it's going to take to affect a human because I've just a little plug of tobacco you put yeah. a little drop on. I, I say maybe we give them a vial each and then we've got one left. How many drops are in a vial, would you reckon? Given the amount, probably about six. Yeah, about half a dozen, yeah. Okay. Except for this one's got about five in it. Let's give right. them six drops. And... Well, should we give them half a vial each and see? All right, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so cross off one vial, effectively, we'll say, for this. Okay, can you roll me, Quentin, a D3? Three. Okay, so Weimar and Brock, as as they... Are you pouring it on them, or are you, like, pouring it into them? I, I will get them to ingest it, I think, better okay, than pouring it on. I don't yeah. want time to happen separately in a different location on their body. Yeah, see, so, like, half and half, one of these vials, which is now yeah. empty between these two guys uh, at which point they both again they sort of shimmer as though they're like their whole body was like vibrating very quickly and they disappear at which point Weimar and Brock for yourselves although you are unconscious so you don't know this it is it is as though three days have passed so you can roll as though to regain hit points as though three days have passed That's uh, D3, is it? Yeah, so 3D3. Yeah. For each of it. Just roll. One. And a two. Six. Okay, so now you, you've rolled three dice, uh, Brock. Upon which of the dice did you sort of go over zero hit points? If you see what I mean. Second one. Okay. So, so Yeah, go on, sorry. So for you, what happens is one day passes when you're unconscious. You then wake up. You find yourself in this cave. It'll only be you and Weimar in there. We'll just find out when Weimar wakes up. But basically, you're stuck in there for like two days. And every time you try like leaving the cave, it's like an old arcade game where you just sort of come in through the other entrance when you try going out. It's like you're stuck in like this little bubble, but obviously like nothing comes in to like bother you. You don't appear to feel hungry while the days are passing, so you're able to rest up, and that's when you regain the rest of your hit points. But it plays out like a full day. Yeah, it feels like a full day. Yeah. Why more? What? Which of the dice did you become conscious on? The last one. Okay, so for the for the the first day you're awake, Brock. Why is there, but he's unconscious. Then on the final day. He wakes up, and obviously you guys can have discussed whatever you want to discuss, because you're both trapped in there for like a day together. I say you can't leave this cave, but you don't feel hungry or anything. You're able to rest up; nothing occurs to like bother you. And then, as the as you're sort of getting onto like the fourth day, effectively, like the sort of like the the scenery around you starts to like shimmer, like the cave walls, and then you notice like two sort of vaguely humanoid sort of like but out of focus like shimmery shapes 
like appearing in the cave. Is there anything Brock and Wilma you want to have discussed while you're like trapped in this cave? Obviously, the last thing you guys remember is you were like fighting for your lives against this gateway, and you, you got taken down by these rats. Then suddenly you're like you're both on on your own in this cave. You don't seem to be able to leave. Do we recognise the cave? Yeah, you recognise it as like, oh, if I look out there, like, even though you can't leave the cave, you can look through the through the entrance and you can see like the chasm that you know is the the chasm you originally entered to like come into this cave system. But every time you try and like pass through the threshold, you sort of find yourself back in the cave where you originally were. Yeah. So for the first day that I'm conscious, I'll be I'll basically be guarding Weimar because. I don't know what's going on, obviously. I would would have tried to, you know, get out or at least looked around the corner or, yeah. you know, uh, and realised I couldn't, so, for that day. But then once we're both awake, um, yeah, I would have just, you know, be just trying to work out what sort of witchcraft is going on, as usual. Has uh, Weimar got his sword? Can, can he ask his sword? No, he doesn't. No, have his sword. Uh, people looted all my. He doesn't have his sword or his gauntlets, and you don't have your spear. Hmm. Well, is this some sort of twisted afterlife? I think we're we find dead. ourselves. I think we're dead. Hmm. Do we feel hungry, John? Yeah, we're de we're definitely dead. <laughs> And it, and we just yeah we're just knocking our heads against a sort of invisible barrier or just keep sort of rebounding back into yeah. the room. One thing you do notice if you think to check this, it's down to you whether you do. If you check to see if you've got a pulse, you do still have a pulse. You are still breathing, and obviously as you rest, your injuries are healing. So like your biological processes are continuing. Like you know, if you cut yourself, you will bleed, etc. I still feel like it's almost like a dream state, even if that was happening. It it does feel very much like a dream state, and there's this strange. It's difficult to put your your finger on it, but you feel this strange sort of sense as you know everything's slightly sort of out of focus, like you know, like like in a dream when you see a familiar sort of surroundings, but something's slightly off, but you can't quite put your finger on exactly what it is. Yeah, unfortunately, then my mind will start to wander and sort of i'll be thinking about you know what happened to land's body and and i'll be sort of getting quite down on myself i should imagine yeah uh and obviously why might you be able to see that uh obviously brock is preoccupied with thoughts of his fallen love and obviously the sort of now like the adrenaline of like the immediate sort of life and death crisis has been resolved he's sort of fallen into a I won't say a fit of melancholy, but it's obviously now it's starting to like sink in and it's really starting to like weigh on him a little bit. Yeah, which tracks entirely with the idea that we're in an afterlife now. Yeah. And we're, we're clearly in... Uh, clearly, this is the real thing because we, we already had uh, a bunch of indications that Leander might not directly be what we currently think he is in modern day. So... Um, Weimar is just entirely bought into like, okay, we can't leave. I'm not feeling hungry. Clearly, this is, you know, whatever happens afterwards, it's this. And it tracks with, you know, this sort of fairly common idea in uh, sort of 
our our own ancient history or culture where it's kind of like it's kind of like a dank place underground yeah yep yeah it tracks uh it's unfortunate that it, there is only the two of us here but you know <laughs> okay and as i've said on the the fourth the morning of the fourth day from your perspective you start to see this sort of like shimmering or vibration in the cave surrounding you and then these these two and then no wait it's three sort of vaguely like humanoid sort of shapes start appearing but they're out of focus and like vibrating whereas malcolm and quentin from your perspective you see not in the same places where you sort of laid down like brock and weimar but you also see like two sort of like out of focus like roughly humanoid like figures sort of vibrating their way into existence and as the minutes pass for quentin and malcolm these two shapes like resolve themselves and solidify into weimar and brock and for brock and weimar the three shapes you're seeing gradually resolve themselves into malcolm quentin and fabrio and you will find yourself go, standing in the cave <laughs> and obviously for, for quentin and malcolm it's been like a few minutes whereas for you guys it's been like days And then do we sort of does the hunger then kick in or does it is it still only like a couple of minutes in sort of hunger like you you're not ravenously hungry or anything like that. Hmm. I'm gonna investigate Weird. this orb I've got now, John. <laughs> okay, so Quentin's looking at his orb. What are the rest of you guys saying as this like bizarre sort of time tomfoolery occurs? And you all um, find yourself in the same cave. So I will. Obviously, Malcolm, as you you look on Brock and Weimar, they appear to have like not fully healed, but they're obviously like standing up. They're conscious. Um, I'll give Weimar back his sword and his gauntlets. Um, and well, say, it's, it's a shame that you had to die too. No, we're not dead. Just I'm fairly sure we're dead. <laughs> no, we gave you some liquid time that we stole from some cultists mm -hmm. and you have a number of days have passed while uh, in what was moments for us was a number of days for you and you have aged and recovered and um, we have spent no more than three minutes waiting for you so that we might cross this ledge and make our way out of here. Okay, I like that story better than mine. And Brock, I'm sorry about your spear. Um, it uh, it got taken by rats. I'm not worried about the spear. Where's land body? Uh... It didn't make it. What happened to it? I don't know. It's still where it was. It was all we could do to get you and Weimar out in your states. Yeah, I, I understand that. But we need to go back and get a body. We're not in any state to go back. Right? We need to rest up. But 
anything could happen to her in this time. Yeah, or to us, really. You can Those, take uh, your vengeance when you're fully healed. There's a necromancer in there. I'm sure you'll have a whale of a time smashing his head in. Well, I hate to think what he could do with my land. Well, I can only assume that, at worst, he could turn her into a zombie. <clears throat> but it won't be her spirit. There is no worse. It won't be her spirit, though, will it? We don't know that. It's just a shell, mate. It's not... She's not there anymore. Yeah, he's, like, proper conflicted now. He's, uh, his mind's messed up. With all this magic, death, and he's just in a right old state of confusion. Okay. So... Quentin, you said you wanted to look at your crystal ball. Yes. Okay, so you unwrap it. Uh, you look into it. Mm -hmm. What are you What are you thinking about when you look into it? I'm thinking about the crimson coin. Uh, I forget the actual leader's name, mm -hmm. but I'll be thinking about her because obviously I've I've given her a large task and then just buggered off. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you're thinking about the the crimson coin as you're looking into this crystal ball. As you look into this crystal ball, again, you have this sense of your sort of stomach dropping out from beneath you, and this time, instead of looking down on yourself, you find yourself looking upon a familiar warehouse you can see martha perkins the leader of the crimson coin and a number of her people they appear to have sustained some injuries they appear to be some hold up in the the crimson coin warehouse they're they're chatting with each other and they're sort of like bandaging their wounds, etc. Okay, so that confirms then that if whoever you think of, you can see in this ball. Uh, the, the the vision lasts about five minutes oh. before it sort of fades away. Okay, so. Uh, We've got some kind of scrying orb. You know, maybe you can use it to look on this necromancer. I've just seen the crimson coin looking a bit battered. Does it show your lamb's body? Uh, Is it safe to retrieve? I'll have a look. I will look at Look for Lan's body. Okay, so you're looking into the crystal ball and you're thinking of Lan. Yeah. Okay, you look into the crystal ball, you think of Lan, and again, your vision seems to swim in front of your eyes and there's a sense of dislocation. And as your, your misty vision clears, you find yourself looking 
down as though from an aerial view again into a stone chamber and you're looking down to the dead body of Lan. She appears to be lying on some sort of stone slab. There are candles at intervals placed around the edge of the stone slab and you can see what appears to be a, a number of cloaked figures that stood around this again this stone slab where the body lies and stood at the head of it is a man with sort of frizzy sort of dirty blonde hair he's wearing a so a blood-stained waistcoat and shirt he has leather gloves that sort of come up to his elbows they're also splattered in blood and he has small spectacles on his face he appears to be holding a, a leather bound book in one hand and he's waving his arm around and gesturing and he's his mouth opening wide as he's like intoning something but you don't get the sound um the bodies with the cultists Rock. Uh, I assume it's a ritual of some description. And the, uh, I assume he's the necromancer, the bespectacled blonde man. What was his name, John? We got it from the. Okay, you were told that his name was Al Harad. Well, that's certainly who the, the acolytes said that they worked for. I'm afraid she's um, she's in a ritual circle, Rob. Yeah, with that, he'll, he'll start punching at the cave wall until yeah. he sort of draws blood from his fist. Yeah, Brock starts laying into that cave wall like he's got a grudge against it. I can give you another six doses of time, but that's all the time we have. That's not enough to deal with this creature. But you'll heal yourself for technically six days. Minutes towards six days to you. Yeah, but he looks around at everyone else in a sorry state still. I think there's only Malcolm that's certifiably upright at this point. Yeah, that's what I mean. He's just taking time to process the fact that he realises that this is uh, not an option to go back in at this stage, but he's not happy to accept it, so it's taking longer than it would normally take. They mentioned the Red King as well. That's the undead king, in it? But he's far but from they, here. Yes, but they work for him. This time was literally for them to do something. This time we've stolen was to be used in a ritual of some description. Hmm. More undead. This 
Red King. He must fall. But not before this necromancer. Well, let us, let us travel back, gain our strength. If everyone promises that they will return here with me to get our, uh, our revenge. Yeah, we can add it to the list of things we need to do here anyway. We'll just put uh, it at the top of the list. <clears throat> the Sansword would like to continue, but I don't think, I don't think the, the flesh is, <laughs> is strong enough to continue currently. I say as I'm covered in blood, mostly my own. <laughs> you will return with me, Weimar. Oh, I would continue if, if, if I thought I would, you know, last more than 10 minutes. Well, but so be it. Let's return when we're fit for the job. If it helps, you can always go and kill the pig mayor. Well, I don't think we need to add on to our list right now. Uh, of course we do. Yeah, make a bigger list. That way you're sure to accomplish at least something on it. <clears throat> Let's find somewhere to hold up and recover our strength. That's an idea. Let's not be murdering anyone. There's plenty of time when we have our strength back. Okay. So where do we suggest traveling to? We actually going to stay on the mall, the island, and live off the land while we, we recover. To go fully back, mate, and or are we heading back to New together. Zealand? Well, let's get off the mall on the island first. At least find somewhere to hold up. Well, if that's if that's the decision, go back to New Zealand if we're going to hold up somewhere. Let's let's get going then. And uh, Brock has start to get a rope out in preparation for tying around us as a chain, as we did before, and travelling across this windswept walkway. Yep, no problems. So it takes you a little time, but you make your way across the the windswept walkway, rope together, etc it's not too much of a problem and eventually after a few hours you find your way back up the path you find yourself emerging into the daylight on the moor and you can see the the small secret path which leads up to the strange inbred village of Swinsmouth. let's just go around that please As before, it's a ramshackle, dilapidated place of wooden buildings, many of which have 
wooden pens with swine and various porcine animals. Next to it, there's a sparse scattering of malformed looking villagers going about their day to day business. What do you guys want to do? So I think we'll just go round it and head back to the ship. Yeah, head back to the boat crossing. Yeah, not a problem. You may yeah, go. The ferry that I guess is now abandoned because we, we can't. Oh, it's our ferry now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not a problem. You make your way back to where you were you left the boat. And I'm gonna ask, can one of you make me a roll to see whether it's still there? Because obviously you just like, left it there. So if one of you wants to roll me a D six on a one to three it's not there, on a four plus it's still there. Yeah, give it a roll. Hang on. Uh, D6. Six. Okay, yeah, you get there, and despite the fact that an amount of time has passed, the boat is still there, sort of like pulled up on the shore, like the stony, pebbly beach where you left it. Seems to be in reasonably good nick. There's a little bit of rainwater's collected in it. It's obviously rained while you've been underground, but it's nothing, nothing too major. Like you just have to like empty a bit of the water out. It's not really a problem. Uh, as before, I, I suggest that all the heavily armoured people take their armour off into the boat as we travel across, because there's rumours of creatures in this water. Uh, we don't want to sink to the bottom if we go overboard. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Why is that heavy? I'll leave it on. So you're sailing the boat across? Well, rowing the boat across. Yep. Yeah, not a problem. You row the boat across the lake that surrounds the Beast's Moor. It's a fairly uneventful trip. There's a gentle breeze blowing. It's a little bit on the chill side, but nothing particularly untoward happens. As you get to the other side, you see the the now abandoned sort of wooden hut that belonged to the the ferry keeper Rem. No one else appears to have like occupied it or anything like that. It's just this small wooden shack. How much time we got left in this this day? Do we think? You, you probably go back. Yeah, it's probably about midday by the time you've. All right. Sailed across. Yeah, we might as well continue back then. Yeah. Okay, so you're heading to New Zealand? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So it's going to take you... You've got half a day's travel. It's probably going to take like another day on top of that. So, let me just make you some rolls. Okay. start of the second day you are traveling 
to walk through the, the free coast towards uh, New Zealand. And as you get nearby, you see. Okay. As you're heading towards New Zealand, you see what appears to be a middle-aged man. He's obviously a sort of hunter or woodsman type. He's wearing, you know, that rough sort of handmade leather clothing. He's got like a woodcutter's axe over his shoulder. You see he's got like a, a stick over the other shoulder and there's like a couple of like rabbits hanging from the stick that he's tied on there, presumably that he, he hunted himself. He doesn't appear to have like spotted you yet. He's he's sort of like walking parallel with you guys. He's not doesn't appear to be paying particular attention to you. Uh, well met, good sir. I'll call it. Oh, uh, afternoon to you. Uh, <clears throat> how goes the road? He says, "Oh, not too bad, not too bad." And uh, now the weather's a. Uh, now the weather's cleared up a little bit. He says, uh, "He says uh, you're like you've been a uh, you've been through the wars." He says, so, like, "He stops and like sets his stick with the rabbits on against a rock while he like stops to talk to you." Uh, yeah, we uh, we got chewed up by the beast mall heading back to oh. New Zealand. He says, "Well, I've never been there myself, but I hear it's a nasty place." Ah, uh, it is. Uh, he says, the well, stories you... don't do it justice." He says, "Well, if I, I'm just about to, uh, I'm just about to settle down and uh, build myself a little fire and uh, cook this, uh, this brace of hairs here. You're welcome to, you're welcome to join me for a bit if you like." Yeah, I think we will if you don't mind. No, no, um, please. The uh, bit of company. Yeah. Through the night. And he he sits down like, with your guys, help you like makes a small fire. He sets this stick over it with these rabbits on, sort of like. They're cooking away. Obviously, you'll all need to deduct one ration for like, the previous day's travel, but for this day, you won't because he's happy to share his these rabbits. You get talking to this fellow. His name is Moses Matthews. He's a local woodsman. He sort of lives on the outskirts of New Zealand in sort of like the slightly wooded areas around there. And he pretty much makes his living by like hunting and trapping. He says he's he's had to range a little bit further afield recently. He says oh, the, uh, the, the the game's got a little bit sparse around uh, New Zealand, and he says oh probably like over hunting basically. So he's had to go a little bit further afield. He was just like, on his way back when he bumped into you guys, and he's. And he's basically like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to have to like camp for the night and safety in numbers, to be perfectly honest. So he, he's quite glad to have like bumped into you on his way back. And he says, well, so, uh, so what's your, what's your story then? He says to all of you. Uh, we're, I don't know, uh, fortune seekers. Um, we, try and find old locations and treasures of interest and All right. um, try and uh, yeah, trying to find our fortune and do some good while we can um, 
we uh, we helped create uh, New Zealand. We were one of the first to arrive, and we've uh, yeah had some success in some places. And as you can tell, some some trips are less successful. And um, yeah, this is one of the less successful trips. He says, "Oh well, I'm sorry to hear that." He says. Uh... He says, still, it, it could have been worse. At least you're not, uh, at least you're not heading down from Brackenwald way. All right, what have you heard about Brackenwald? He says, oh, well, he says, uh, it's been all the news at uh, New Zealand. He says, uh, apparently, uh, the the lord there is uh, his nephew or, or something like that. He went, he went out on some, like, hunting expedition, like, didn't come back. Oh. I, him, and all, him and all of his men, like, disappeared. Or they were like taken. I don't know the details. Uh, uh, apparently, they've been on like high alert since then. I've heard them saying all manner of like wild rumors. I've heard people saying you know they're getting ready to like go out and try and find them and whatnot. Uh, apparently, there's been a spate of robberies in a uh, Brackenwald as well. They uh, they they were getting near to like catching the people responsible, but. Uh, Somehow they managed to like give him the slip and just disappeared. Is what I heard. Okay. He says, "But oh yeah, there's been a right, been a right kerfuffle about it." Okay. Seems we've missed a lot of news. Interesting. So yeah, apparently, from what I hear, the um. The the fellow who's gone missing, he was uh he was the person who was like dealing with all the uh all the sort of trade stuff between uh, New Zealand and Brackenwald, so all that's come to a bit of a grinding halt. Uh, uh, apparently they Brackenwald in the spirit of this like alliance or whatever they're working on. Apparently they've been they've been petitioning the mayor of New Zealand to uh to, to get the night defender over New Zealand like directly involved with it and his men but uh, apparently he's not in the town at the minute so like I don't know what's going on with that alright he's been out looking for his fortune oh right okay he says well I wouldn't know anything about that it's like say mm. uh, it's, it's just rumours that I've heard when I've like stopped in the taverns and whatnot you know I don't, I don't really tend to spend much time in New Zealand. I stop off there. I do a bit of trade flat furs and whatnot, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't live there. You know what I mean? It's, it's it's a nice place to pass through, but like it's, it's not really my sort of the sort of place I'd like to live. I pre, I prefer uh, being out in the woods and whatnot. You know, I, I'm happy with my own company. You know, it's don't get me wrong. It's nice to it's nice to meet people like yourselves on the road and like catch up with people, but the the city's all a bit too crazy for me. Mm. Well, I guess we'll see when we arrive tomorrow how crazy it's gotten in the few time we've been away. Indeed. And if there's nothing else you guys want to discuss, the evening passes fairly uneventfully. You eat some rabbit with this guy, there's a bit of chit-chat. Obviously, if anyone wants to ask him anything, obviously, he's shabbed up. He's quite happy to talk to you guys. Like I say, he's a, he spends a lot of his time on his own out in the woods and on the road and stuff like that. So he's quite happy to chat and like catch up on the news. And he's asking you guys about what you've been doing and stuff like that. So if there's anything you guys want to ask him in particular, just let me know. Good anyway. Okay. 
So the night passes fairly uneventfully. You wake up the next morning. Anyone who's down hit points can regain D3 hit points. And you wake up the next morning. The the woodsman is up fairly early. He's like, as you wake up, he's like packing his stuff up, obviously getting ready to move. You can see he's like, a, he's sort of like brushing the fire out and sort of making sure it's all safe and whatever. So he doesn't like leave anything behind that's going to like damage the area. You know, he's like throwing a bit of soil on it and like pouring a bit of water on it and stuff like that. And he says, uh, "Well, it's been a, it's been a pleasure to, uh, been a pleasure to meet you all. Uh, if, and this is probably where we part ways. If you're heading to, uh, to New Zealand, uh, like I said, I'm not planning on heading back there yet. But it's been a, it's been nice to meet you all. I, hope you have a safe journey in your travels. Yeah, you too. Thanks for the." Their food and I flick him a gold coin. He, he catches it. He's like, oh, right. thanks very much. That puts it in his pocket. And he says, "Well, yeah. good travels to you." And he like sets off on his way. Cool. Okay, and you guys presumably continue on to New Zealand. Yes. Okay, so you arrive at New Zealand. It's very much as you remember it. This walled fortified small town you can see as you get near that there's the the now ubiquitous sort of like priests stood at the gate who are like sprinkling from their senses this water this breath of truth on people as they walk through there's a couple of guards stood about on the gate What do you guys want to do? I follow the normal routine on entering. Go through the motions of the sprinkling. Yep, not a problem. You get sprinkled with the water. Obviously, it has no effect on yourselves or whatsoever. The the guards sort of look at the priest and like nod at you as you head through. So you walk up and you like lay that water on me. I'm like, oh, yeah. And they sort of nod approvingly as you um, head through there. Obviously, like, see that you know the routine. You're not protesting. And you're allowed through the gate into the town. Obviously, as you know, the the town is divided into roughly three districts. There's the East Gate, which is like the wealthy district. North Gate, which is the merchant district. And Lost Arch, which is the, sort of like the poorer district to the to the south along the river. What do you guys want to do? So, oh. Guys, I'm going to go and... Yeah, just go. <laughs> so, the plan being... We rest up, we get provisions, whatever, and we head back. Is that correct? Yeah. Right. Maybe we might want to try and find a healer if we can. Uh, can we find out what Fabio made? last one out of yeah Fabio's like well uh, I, I can I can make some more poultices it'll take me a bit of time I'll, I'll need, I mean I can get hold of the requisite herbs etc it's just it's more a matter of the time it takes to to brew and steep how long we're talking for six 
well, for, for six vials of it. Yeah. He says, well, he says, probably about a week. I think that gives us sufficient time to retool and stitch all our wounds up. A week it is then. Um, I suppose I'll be in the tower. <laughs> okay, so as we're sort of drawing the session to a close, we have like a montage of a of a week mm -hmm. passing. Obviously, that effectively means anyone who's down hit points, you can recover seventy three hit points. At the end of the week, Fabrio has. He said it was a bit of a struggle. To like get all the herbs, but he's managed to make five of the the vials of his like tonic. So you can jot that down on your character sheet, Quentin. You've got these five vials of tonic. Each of them, when ingested, will restore one d three hit points. Because it's not like a proper proper healing potion. It's more like a sort of herbal remedy. One. I've got six of those. No, five of them. Like I said, each one restores D3 hit points when drunk. Yeah, I've put that on there. Cool. Okay, so, but before we wrap up, obviously next session we'll start with you guys like setting out to do what you do best. Is there anything you guys want to cover in the sort of montage of the week? Uh, like I said, I'll be going to speak to the Crimson Coin. Um, okay. We can cover that next session. It's not going to be a long conversation. Okay, no problems. Um, I would have sent a letter to uh, our friends at Brackenwald requesting our help in the investigation that uh, I'm going to get to it, but unfortunately right now we're dealing with some very esoteric <laughs> existential threats. Um, so can't help right now, but... Okay, so you're, you're able to find out from the, the gods in the tower who've been sort of like managing stuff while like you've been away that mm -hmm. you get a little bit more detail on what supposedly happened apparently the the nephew of lord brackenwald which is the the young noble that you guys took an instant disliking to mm -hmm. he he went out with a, a party of scholars to like gather herbs etc which you guys knew he was doing and whilst he was on that he was a number of his men were killed and both he and presumably some of the others were kidnapped and have not been seen since the the duke of brackenwald believes that people from the the dragon spine mountains and i say people in like the loosest sense were involved you don't know how he's reached that decision but basically the the duke the lord of brackenwald is sort of like rousing his like knights up to effectively like go and like yeah. on a quest gonna to go like, rescue yeah. his nephew and he's like so, calling on like all of his allies to like lend yeah. troops basically so i don't know um <laughs> well it makes all the sense in the world that he would come to that conclusion that i think it's those people that we suspect blew up his fortress so um yeah, um, we can't really spare a lot of people and we can't attend personally. So, um, yeah, uh, still, uh, a letter gets sent 
with best wishes and swift resolution and safe return of everyone involved. Uh, we'll lend a hand when we can, but we have our own problems right now. Yeah. Of of severe occult nature. <laughs> yeah, no problems. Uh, Quentin, you're able to find out from the Crimson Coin that they basically used the portal, as you'd said. They did a bit of robbing in Brackenwald. However, they because the whole place was on high alert because of this event, they pretty quickly got sort of rumbled, but they were able to basically like flee and escape back through the portal. I mean, like with a few of them sustaining like minor injuries. So they did a bit of robbing, but they weren't able to be as extensive as they wanted because the whole place was on a much higher alert than they were expecting it to be. That works in our favour anyway, because at least now they're um, in a more stressful situation than we were. Yeah. So is there anything um, Malcolm and Brock want to do in this sort of week montage? I think Malcolm would like to spend a week kind of uh, trawling through churches and monasteries and looking for uh, likely candidate to join us on the trip who might be able to do the old healing magics okay. um no problem so what we'll do at the start of the um at the start of the next session will effectively remind me and will effectively do you guys like trying to locate a, a suitable henchman that you can hire or a suitable well, it'll have to be a retainer if it's going to be a someone with a well, class surely level. brock's going to take his um army with him for the next session <laughs> well I'd like to take my army to deal with that king. Bloody the vampire king? Blood king, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be a thing? Um, Seriously tempted. Yeah, I, I think we can roll this threat, uh, at least as far as we know. Right? I think we can roll this. We just need to not go there at one HP. <laughs> so um, during the week, like, Wymore is sort of indicated that he's he's fairly confident that we can actually do this now that we know what's going on there because now we can prepare a little bit more maybe we'll hire some people as well uh, like a couple more extra swordsmen and whatnot because yeah. if we bring in like more just crossbows and stuff like we'll already have like a massive advantage but yeah uh yeah and brock's just trying to find out how he can heal quicker because it's uh, a long way from being oh yeah healthy if, if we can you know get paid treatments during the week that that might be something like a back to tank well you um you obviously quentin does have the the five sort of like herbal remedies that you could potentially use so you could yeah. use some of them over at the end of the week if you wanted or you could have some more time i mean yeah we Anything that had happened that we might have wanted to prevent has already happened in a week down there in the pit anyway. So maybe uh, two weeks. Yeah, un unless we start seeing, you know, zombie land around the <laughs> gates at night, uh, I guess we might spend enough time that we actually heal up because I'm off a little bit as well. Okay, well, I'll say if you want to, if you want to cross off those two remaining vials of liquid time, you can effectively restore Brock and Wymore to full health. Did they want to go through that again? Is the question. Uh, yeah, yes. I, I'm, now I know how it works. It doesn't bother me. I've Brock's a, a new man. He's on a it's mission. Changed. Okay, yeah, well, I'll give them a vial each then and say, um, <laughs> you know, just 
I'll see you on the other side. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, and this, it's going to be a weird, like... Just, just out of interest, um, where are you guys when you, like, take this liquid time? I, I'm going to make sure they're in that square of all them statues. <laughs> okay, yeah, so unless you guys object, Quentin, like, gathers you in the in the square outside all of the, the sort of temple area where there's the statues that are sort of built to represent, well, by... By the presumably now deceased Krosnon, uh, your old dwarven friend, they built these statues of the old gods and sort of used you guys as like inspiration for it. Unless you guys object, Quentin like has you meet there and he like passes you each uh, one of these vials. Is there a specific reason why we should do this here? Well, we didn't say if it's anchored, you know where you are. But we didn't see anything go on while we was in that state, did we? There was no sort of no. weather or no. passing. Of, but to be you fair, know, you were in like a view. cave, so hmm. rather than yeah. being trapped in a house or a little time. Yeah, I just, I just wondered if you'd actually see what was going on during that time. But I guess you wouldn't because it's only two minutes or a short time anyway. I kind of want to do it like on the pier off into the sea see what happens is it is there a place where we'd get a bigger area to sort of here roam in more? the center of the town yeah i just wondered if we were restricted because of that cave yeah i'd vote for outside somewhere definitely well yeah pr pretty much anywhere in the town yeah. where you're not in the buildings outside yeah yeah i'm I mean, I'd probably go where Weimar goes, just so we've at least got each other to talk to. Well, yeah, you, you could easily go to, like, Lost Arch. There's plenty of, like, fishermen and, like, little wharfs and stuff down there. So I'm kind of interested in having the water there. So, yeah, we'll do that at the harbour. If... Yeah, whatever. Yeah. So you head down to the harbour, you know, you both drink these vials. To anyone watching, again, you sort of shimmer and you disappear to yourselves. Every sort of person and living thing seems to shimmer and disappear, and you find yourself in the same place. The weather is the same. There's the, the water, which appears sort of oddly like still and sort of glassy. Like there's no like ripples or anything, but you're you're in the docks. Uh, Just... Yeah, is, is the water like solid? The, the water's not solid. You sort of you, you put your hand and it feels like water. However, you notice like when you if you like lift your hand out, like a few drops of water fall down. When they like hit the the main body of water, instead of like a splash coming up, it just hits the water and like disappears into yeah. it. There's no like it's just like bloop, and then it's calm again. So so basically, it's like everything's on pause. Yeah, pretty much, and at, yeah. with a bit of. Like, a period of like a couple of weeks is going to seemingly pass for you guys, but you're not hungry, you don't need to eat, etc. You manage to work out that again, it, it's it's difficult to work out the exact radius, but when you sort of start getting a couple of streets away from where you are, you find yourself sort of back where you started. So it seems as though whenever you drink this thing, there's like a sort of radius of the effect that you can't sort of go outside of. Mm -hmm. and 
to anyone watching again only a, a couple of moments probably about 10 minutes passes again like these shimmering shapes appear Weimar and Brock reappear but like I say for you guys it's been like two weeks still wonder what they use this for I, sh I assume they're not doing something like we're doing with it so I'm wondering what studying and that sort of thing making making things if you can bring in over because we we brought our like clothing and stuff over yeah, yeah. right a any any sort of gear you had in your possession came through yeah. with you you could this this is we should have actually saved brock if we go down there and we find someone who can do this we need to not kill them instantly we need to bring them back and make more of this Imagine there's one of those horrific undead coming to suck your blood. Why more? I got the impression that it was a naturally occurring resource. They collected it. They didn't make really it. now. We need to annex this place immediately. It's in the snowy mountain. You were told it was in Deathfrost Mountain. Deathfrost Death Mountain. Mountain. Let's let's bring out the map. Okay, you bring up the map. There's, there's no, there's, there's no place on your map that's labelled as Death Frost mm -hmm. Mountain. If only we had a very expensive sage to look into this. <laughs> I will say as well, over the course of the week, one thing you've also worked out, Quentin, yep. is our experimentation with like your crystal ball that you've got you've worked out that it only seems to work three times a day okay so like if, if you look into it and concentrate and you've already done it three times just like nothing happens well so, three times is better than none yeah i'm assuming on one of the days you've like you've tried it like three times and you're like i'll try it again uh, one, one of those times i would have looked in on lan okay you look in on lan and you see her seemingly sat up conscious talking to the figure that you saw stood over a dead body when you previously looked in on her she appears to still be in the sort of like tomb complex so you think it's maybe like the level below where you are but she's she sat there she's talking to the same guy but she appears to be conscious she's awake she's talking to this guy again you don't get the sound yeah i'm not gonna tell brock that um, I'm also going to look in on this <clears throat> dangerously looking at this Red King. Okay. You you look in on this uh, Red King and it's strange but it's almost as though when you when you look into the crystal it's like you're seeing two different things. You know like if you see um, two different pictures and you're looking at one through one eye and one through the other. Yeah. You see that now one through one of your eyes you see this tall sort of pallid blue skinned figure must be about eight foot tall sat on like an icy throne in what looks to be a frozen castle and in the other it's like you're looking at like an iceberg maybe or like a sort of cavern full of ice and so deep within the ice, there's like a, a dark smudge as though something is like frozen in it, but you can't quite see what it is. Okay, and then the uh, 
the final time will be on this missing duke. Okay. You attempt to look in on the missing duke and you don't see anything. You see like a dark sort of haze in the crystal ball. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I shall keep the knowledge of potential zombie land to myself. Um, I'll tell them about the Red King. Although you do think it's fairly unlikely she's a zombie because she's talking to somebody. I don't know how zombies act. I've never stayed around well, long. Well, to, to be fair, the ones you saw previously weren't exactly great conversation lists. Yeah, they just went uh, a lot. Yeah, pretty much. So she might be alive, but I don't want to get Brock's hopes up. So uh, I think vengeful Brock for the mission is probably the way to go. Okay, and with that, we're going to call an end to the session there as you guys get ready to sort of head out next time. Obviously, any sort of like normal equipment you want to buy that you've got money for, you can do so while you're in New Zealand. That's not a problem. You can just cross off the money and add it to your sheet, like weapons, armor, whatnot. Yeah, and we'll be recruiting a couple of people, I think, as well. Like we need to bring more hands to the task and we'll we'll start the the next session with you guys effectively trying to attract some retainers and recruit some people in new zealand and then you guys sort of setting off with like your war party and we'll see where we go from there so thank you very much for playing guys i know that was a bit of a bit of a long break between sessions but hopefully you all enjoyed the session yeah of course thanks very much yeah obviously we'll sort out xp and whatnot and i'm happy to chat for a bit but for now, I'm going to end the stream. So thanks to my wonderful players. Thanks for anyone who's watching this either now or in the future. Hopefully we'll catch you next time. Take it easy.